We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. Derek Peterson here. I am back home. Uh, we did last we did last week in Chicago. I am home, and I am skyping with Jacob Padilla because Jacob did not want to drive to the office, so he is also home. Jacob, how are you? Uh, I'm doing well. I got to drive down to Lawrence this weekend, uh, starting early tomorrow, so. I figured I'd save the driving now and just kind of do it this way. That Make is my smart. Life easier. That is smart. Driving through Kansas is never fun. <laughs> I've made the trip many times. Kind of every year we kind of end the summer this way, so I'm used to it at least. Yeah, this is your last. This is your last weekend that you have to go for. What is it? AAU is that what you're coaching? Yep. Yeah, I've got a group of uh, 17U kids, so kids that are gonna be seniors. So this is uh, kind of their last go-around AU basketball. Three of these kids I've had the last three years, kind of had them all through their high school years. So it's kind of a interesting point to be at. First time I've seen a group like this age out through high school, other than my brother's team that I kind of helped with. So kind of bittersweet, but we're coming off a good weekend last uh, last weekend and hoping to carry that over into this, this weekend and kind of close things out on a high note. Are you having to deal with uh like all the agents and the the handlers are you are you cheating i uh do you want to incriminate yourself on the podcast right now yeah if i could find a way to (laughs) actually cheat and win maybe i would but it's kind of tough to do at this level and i have not seen a single agent uh in our practice gym or kind of hanging around my guys at games um so i i guess i'm getting in the wrong tournaments i think you are did you see that the celtics signed taco fall I, like what kind of contract? This has nothing to do. I this has nothing to do with what we're going to talk about. I just it's all over my my timeline, but nobody actually says what the contract is. It just says yeah. Celtics officially announced that they've signed Taco Fall. Yeah, well, the Suns uh, signed something called a David Kramer to an Exhibit Ten contract, so that was kind of interesting. Uh, a what? Exhibit Ten contract is basically an invite to training camp. You fork them over a little bit of money now and then. Most of the time, it's just to get his rights for your G League team. Interesting. Have you heard anything at all on uh, Isaiah Roby and what's going on with him in Dallas? We have not gotten any kind of uh, news about a, a deal or a two-way spot or a G League thing or anything with him. Have you seen or heard anything that maybe I might have missed? Yeah, I have not. I've kind of been waiting on that. Um, I know they they use... I'm trying to think if they use both their two-way contracts. I know they use one on Josh Reeves, but... I can't remember if they had the other one open, but yeah, it's kind of getting to that point where you've seen a lot of other players sign already, especially kind of in that range. So not quite sure what the holdup is there. Hopefully, obviously they've, uh, they've kind of 
gone out and made him feel like a part of the team, just uh, the way they treat him on social media and everything. So it, it kind of seems like he's a part of their plans moving forward, but it'd be nice just to get that contract knocked down and kind of really move forward. Yeah, I was going to say, he's had a nice social media presence with them. Um, so if that can, if he can translate that into anything, that'd be nice. Um, we are going to talk about, uh, Nebraska basketball. They had their first open practice. It was their, correct me if I'm wrong on this, Jacob, fourth practice with Hoiberg so far. That's what he said. Uh, okay. Four, <laughs> and I think, yeah, they had another one later in that day that which he should have been the fifth. Um, yeah, he said they were doing two a days, and yeah. this was the second two a day that they that they had done, and that that was Tuesday. Um, Jacob Adil and I went and saw that. I don't know why I just said your last name. People know who you are. Um, Jacob and I went and watched that on Tuesday, and then we got to talk to Fred afterwards. So we're going to talk a little bit about that um, later. Get sort of get takeaways from Jacob. I expect you to have twenty. I expect twenty takeaways from you uh, from the twenty minutes that we watched, twenty-ish minutes that we watched them stretch and warm up and do a shell drill. Uh, so twenty takeaways is is get get ready now. That's well, basically what I'm telling you. There's 15 players, uh, a few coaches, a few uh, managers. So maybe if I do one take around everybody, that I, I I could get there. Yeah, one per person. Um, but first, first the kind of the news that we need to talk about um, is Maurice Washington. Uh, we're recording this on a Thursday afternoon. Um, Maurice had a a court date um, at the Santa Clara County Superior Court Thursday morning um, that was essentially going to serve as a, a preliminary setting. Um, the The hope was that there would be a setting of a preliminary hearing Thursday morning. Um, that did not take place. Instead, uh, Maurice Washington's attorney asked for a continuance, uh, and so a new date was set for September 3rd at 9 a.m., um, and, and the purpose of that new date is basically to to, to sit down between the prosecution, um, the defense, and the judge, and and have a conversation about the case and um, the status of the case, and sort of if there's going to be any kind of potential resolution to the case. Um, but also, the hope is that a, a date for a preliminary hearing is set at that time. Um, that new date is set for September 3rd, which is three days after Nebraska's football season begins. So we are uh, nowhere close to a resolution to this case at this point. I spoke with um, the deputy district attorney in, at the Santa Clara County um, Court, and um, he told me that, that a, uh, a preliminary hearing isn't even on the, the radar at this point, and it's still entirely too early to speculate about what kind of, uh, or, or what a, a resolution or a, a settlement or anything like that, what that would look like or when that might come. Um, so from from the sound of things and just reading the tea leaves, it, it seems like this thing is 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 going to continue to, to drag on and has been kind of dragging on at a snail's pace, and it sounds like a lot of that is um, Maurice Washington's attorney, uh, who continues to ask for um, continuances and, and delaying things to sort of talk with Washington. And, and from a strategic standpoint, it kind of looks like he's just going to try to slow play this uh, and have it, I guess, linger on and, and try to become, uh, this is speculation on my part, this is not reporting, but just try to try to become a, a nuisance, I guess, to the um, district attorney's office to where they are just tired of dealing with it, um, which is... It, w- it wouldn't be uncommon for a district or for a, for a uh, that to be a defense strategy, 
but in the meantime, it, it sort of makes things interesting from a football standpoint with Nebraska back in Lincoln because, you know, Scott Frost has maintained throughout this entire process, Jacob, that he's not going to make a decision on Maurice Washington until there is some sort of um, resolution with his with his legal case. And he was asked um, at Big Ten Media Days in Chicago last week if, you know, if there's not, you know, there's not some kind of, of any movement at all uh, by the time the season starts, what would happen? And Frost sort of said, uh, my interpretation of it was that fall camp wouldn't be an issue, but they don't feel like they have to make a decision on his status until the season starts. It's, it, I mean, it sounds like they're going to have to decide whether he's going to be able to play through this or not, and they're going to have to make that decision before the season starts because, I mean, we're not even – they haven't even had – the court date that would set a preliminary hearing date yet, and that's not even going to be until after the season starts. So it'll, it'll it'll be very interesting to see how this whole situation plays out. It'll be very interesting to see what Frost's sort of reaction to, or I guess not reaction, but his course of action, what that will be, what that will look like. Um, Jacob, do you have thoughts on on this thing continuing to linger and kind of what um, you expect Frost to do or what you think Frost should do? Yeah, I, I'm not really sure what to think about this whole situation or how they should handle it. Um, Frost has been pretty noncommittal, obviously, just kind of pushing it down the line, waiting until they get official word. Uh, my question, I guess, at this point is, what do you expect to hear come out of this case? Like, what what is Frost waiting to see before he makes his actions? Like, do, does he have to get committed or convicted of like go through with his trial and actually get busted for him to get uh, anything to like impact his playing status. Like, I don't know what Frost is waiting to see. I think we kind of have an idea, a, a pretty good idea of what went on. I guess it, it, it kind of feels like at this point, we know that it wasn't a case of Washington didn't do anything at all. Um, you know what I mean? So it's, yeah, we it's, know kind of the situation. So what, wh- I guess, what impact will the court ruling or how that plays out actually have on how Frost views him? Yeah. So at, at that preliminary hearing, it basically the judge has to decide whether there's probable cause that Washington committed a crime. Yeah. And if he decides that, yes, there is, then they would go to a jury trial. The way I looked at the whole thing was, you know, the the misdemeanor charge that he's facing, um, intent to cause emotional harm, it, it's a little bit harder to prove. The felony charge that he's facing of um, distribution of a video um, of of someone engaging in sexual conduct while uh, that person is under the age of eighteen, that is a little bit. It seems that would be a little bit more cut and dry, a little bit easier to prove. Either he had the video on his phone or he didn't. Um, the, the kid who actually took the video and distributed the video in the first place, I I think I read earlier that he was, uh, he was given parole. I personally don't think that there's, we're going to find ourselves in a situation where Mo is kicked off the team. I think it'll, it'll be a conversation about what is a, if, you know, if it gets to that point, what does the suspension look like? How, how long would that be? But, you know, I've seen a lot of, um, you know, this is America and, and he's innocent until proven guilty. And yeah, that's true. That's, that's absolutely true from a legal standpoint, but from a football standpoint, I mean, Frost has to, 
has to also weigh the court of public opinion on this one. Um, and, and this this happens a lot with football players that are involved in um, legal situations like this where you have to sort of respect the judicial pro- judicial process, excuse me, and sort of let that play out before you make any decision about, um, you know, a kid's future with your team. But at the same time, you know, it, it'll be very interesting to see if, you know, if, if that September 3rd date happens and either there's another continuance or there's a preliminary hearing set for, you know, maybe like October or something like that. And Washington has to actually be there for that. What that, what that does to his playing status, because, you know, in the spring he was a limited participant. He, he, he wasn't a full participant in practice and he was held out of the spring game. So if that's any indication of how they're going to treat, you know, the regular season, maybe he doesn't play at all until this thing um, gets taken care of, and maybe that means he sits the entire season and he gets a redshirt year and he gets that year back. And But even that would, would not be great from a public perception standpoint. You know, the last place that I was at, uh, the head coach did that with a player who was dealing with a legal situation, and it didn't work out so well for him. Um, he got crucified by the public for, um, you know, the the redshirt year wasn't deemed a punishment. It was deemed, oh, well, it was just a redshirt year. You know, he still got yeah. to work with the team and all that. So that's something that that I think is is going to be something that's going to have to be weighed is, you know, how does this impact public opinion? How does this impact public perception? Um, you know, Frost has talked a lot about running a program the right way, and he, he sort of doubled down on that at Media Day where um, he, he was, you know, talked about having the right people in the program and doing things the right way and, and sort of being an example for for um, how to run a clean program, and so you know this will be this is not a it's not an easy spot to be put in. Um, I don't envy the decisions or, or the the conversations that are going to have to be had or the decisions that are going to have to be made <laughs> in the coming couple weeks as, as we get closer and closer to fall camp. Um, but it'll be it, it'll be interesting to say the least to see what Frost does. Yeah, there, there's no doubt about that, and. Uh, like you said, he's kind of said all the right things in terms of what he wants his program to be and how uh, wh- what he wants it to stand for and everything. And this and this this whole situation, I just it's so weird. I don't think I've ever seen something quite like this um, in, in any of the the teams that I've followed. So there's kind of there isn't really precedent for this kind of crime and. Uh, the court case going on and everything like that. So I, I guess we'll hopefully it won't drag out too much longer, but that's probably just wishful thinking at this point based on how it's gone. Uh, I guess to this point, we've got a lot uh, on uh, hailvarsity.com covering the most stuff. I don't really know how to transition from, you know, talking <laughs> about this to talking about like sports because they're not on the same like importance, but yeah, let's we got to transition at some point. Let's, let's talk about a clean break and yeah. <laughs> let's move on. Let's talk basketball. What were your takeaway? I guess what was did you have a main takeaway? I, I think everybody kind of was wanting to know. At least I was. Is there going to be a difference between this and the way Tim Miles ran his practices? Is there going to be a noticeable difference? Is it going to be a different vibe, a different tone, um, different pace, different tempo? Like what? As somebody who has seen. Um, Miles practices and and has seen practices at at other programs. What was what what kind of vibe did you get from Fred? Um, did you did you get the sense 
when you were kind of watching him go through things like, oh, yeah, this guy used to coach in the NBA or, oh, yeah, this guy has a lot of experience doing this or kind of well, what, what was your what were your takeaways from from the practice? Yeah, I, I think uh, it was definitely a case of a guy that knew what he was doing. It seemed like a lot of the drills and the way they ran them is all kind of targeted toward helping the team learn the way that he wants to play uh, everything, spacing and communication and up tempo and all those kinds of things. Um, obviously they've got the, the four point line out there and the spots marked to kind of encourage that spacing and where to be and all those sorts of things. You've got doc out there leading all the defensive drills with Fred pitching in here and there. You've got Armand out there as part of all these drills kind of bringing the energy. And so I, I think it was a, it looked like a pretty good setting in terms of getting things done and really hammering home the concepts of how he wants his team to play. The four-point line was interesting to me. It was, what would you say, like a foot and a half, two feet back from the three-point line? Like how far How far between the three-point line and the four-point line would you say there was? Yeah, it was quite a ways. Like it's really, I mean, you kind of took a picture of it. It's hard to angle, but no, it's, it's, oof. It, it's, wow, it, it's, it's closer to the distance from the free-throw line and three-point line than anything else like it's well beyond the the three-point line yeah so i i thought what was going to happen was they were going to be shooting from there they were going to be practicing yeah. shooting from there you know maybe that's it's like a a houston rockets deal like a daryl morey deal where they want their guys out there as far as possible shooting so that it opens up space but it was really more listening to some of the play like listening to hanif cheatham talk about it it sounded like it was like that's where they're supposed to spot up and then they can step into their shot and when they step in they're still behind the three-point line, and so that's that extra space. So it, it in effect, it creates all that extra space um, when you're running a pick-and-roll or when you're trying to drive and kick. It creates that extra space because your guys are a little bit more, a little bit further out, but they're not shooting from that far. Was that, it, am I correct in thinking that? Yeah, no, it, it's, it, yeah, I, I guess calling it a four-point line probably isn't, the, the correct terminology or the best way to phrase it. Like you said, they, they don't get extra points in practice for making shots beyond there. It is totally just about where he wants the guys to be when they're running their actions. He wants these guys to be precise. He wants spacing is the biggest thing in his offense. Uh, he wants room for his guys to be able to make the plays that he, he wants them to make. And that's that, that line is there to show guys where they need to be in different actions when they run in different plays, different sets. And it's more about just kind of getting that muscle memory down, getting like, all right, being used to being out there than, Oh, I'm going to shoot it from 40 feet. Sure. The biggest thing that I noticed was uh, movement and, and, and tempo of the ball. Um, you kind of chuckle a little bit. The thing that, that Tim miles was often criticized for was just stale offense and not a ton of ball movement and a lot of isolation and guys just trying to beat their man one on one, and you know it, it. I don't. I don't feel like we. I have to give this disclaimer because it was like we said the fourth practice, and it was the first one we got to watch. And these guys don't even know each other's names yet, so I'm not. I'm not saying like, you know, this team is. I'm not doing a starting five projection. I'm not giving a, a season win loss projection. I'm not saying anything, but. It, that, there was no, there was a noticeable difference in um, ball movement. There was a noticeable difference in, I guess, tempo with which the guys, you know, swung the ball around. And there was, 
Um, the first couple drills they worked on was a lot of stuff where it was one or two dribble and pass, one or two dribble and pass. There was a lot of passing. There wasn't a lot of dribbling. There wasn't, you know, it wasn't guys pounding the ball into the court. Um, did you get the same sense? Yeah, for sure. And kind of, I guess the disappointing thing about what we were able to see is that we never really got to see them go live at all. I never saw them actually play basketball. It was all drills. Um, I know you got to see a little more than I did towards the end. And you mentioned it was kind of more just working on stuff versus actually playing. So Foyberg mentioned that they were going to have the guys get up and down more on their second practice on Tuesday night. So that that's unfortunate. So from that standpoint, it was tough to learn a whole lot about these guys and the way that they play. But in terms of kind of how they're running the drills, um, yeah, like you said, quick ball movement, spacing, uh, being shot ready, all those kinds of things. They got a lot of shots up within basically every, everybody involved with the drill was getting shots up. Um, they had extra passer in there to get the ball back to a guy who gave it up to the other guy to shoot. So a lot of shots up, a lot of spacing, a lot of moving the ball quickly. Well, but I think the fact that we didn't see any live ball stuff, we didn't see any five on five stuff or, or anything similar to that. I think that, uh, tells us exactly where these guys are at. Like, not that we needed reinforcement that these guys don't know how to play with each other yet or they don't know the system yet, but, I mean, Fred was running through plays and, and showing guys where to go and teaching guys, you know, how to how to run stuff, and he was slowing it down a ton, and they were just kind of sort of walking through stuff. And Fred kind of joked afterwards in the, in the, I guess you could call it a press conference, that he calls dudes the wrong name all the time. Like, he did it several times when we were watching him. Um, where well, he would he would call dudes the wrong name and they I mean they're just they're 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 not even they're not even at a point yet where I think I feel like they can go live. Yeah, well, and he uh he did that um, like call the guys by the wrong names at during the Big Red Blitz stop, like uh, kind of his little segment back with the media in Fremont that I was at. He uh I think he called Shamil Samari a couple different times or vice versa. I can't remember which it was, but. Like, so th- this is all very new to everybody involved, which I think is why this Italy trip is so important just to kind of get the, throw those guys out there, let them kind of sink or swim on their own, kind of learn everything that you need to learn about all of them. Sure. Who stood out to you from an, uh, on an individual level? Yeah, I, I know uh, you uh, mentioned Charlie Easley, just kind of the way he looks and some of the things he was doing. I was not surprised by that in the slightest, having covered Charlie for three years in high school. Um, dude's physically kind of looks a little bit beyond what you would expect from a... He doesn't look like a walk-on. You, yeah, you could say that. You can call a spade a spade. He doesn't look like a walk-on. He looks like a guy who's been in a, in a college Division One strength program for two years. Yeah, and then he didn't act like a walk-on either. Like you mentioned, what was it, Kavas, a fifth-year senior? He was kind of directing him through a drill. At one point. So. Yeah, they were doing a shell drill, and he's got, you know, like you said, Kavas is a grad transfer, and Charlie was <laughs> helping him on a rotation, and I was like, you shouldn't be doing that. Yep, so, I mean, that kind of stood out. I, I, I thought, and it's another one that you kind of mentioned to me, but I agree, a, a call a rope, he uh, looks like he has put on some mass since the end of the high school season. It's still going to take some time with the jumper. Um he he doesn't have a terrible stroke, but he just needs lots and lots of reps to get the touchdown. And we're not there yet where it's going to be consistent. 
but I think he could potentially get there um, under Hoiberg's tutelage. We know what kind of focus he puts on uh, shooting and kind of really developing shots the right way and getting plenty of reps at that. So I think that'll be good for him in time. Uh, I was a little caught off guard by Kavasa's shot. It didn't necessarily look like kind of the stroke of a 46% three-point shooter, but it went in a decent amount and um, can't always judge a a jumper by its look. I guess there are a lot of guys with unorthodox shots that shoot really well. But uh, I mean, before you looked over at Kavas, he hit five in a row from the corner, which is probably where he's going to be taking a bunch. And Fred talked, I mean, he mentioned it several times. He's a, he was a 46% shooter last year. So the results are there. Um, Yeah. Oh, and he's got the ability to hit it off the dribble and stuff too. He's got sure. some versatility to the shot, so it works for him for sure. I was just kind of caught a little off guard by that, just the way the shot looked. Same. I, I was right there with you. The thing that you just said, versatility, is key. I think the thing that was maybe the most abundantly obvious um, from both watching the guys warm up, watching the guys go through a couple drills and then listening to Fred talk afterwards is that there is still a lot of work to be done. I was reading something that Nebraska Nebraska might have four Isaiah Robies now. I don't really know what that means. And there's a lot of hype uh, with the team right now, which is natural. Everybody's excited. Um, but nobody's suggesting, you know, anything crazy. Um, there's still a lot of work to be done with this team. Uh, you know, Shamil Stevenson is a guy you talked about. He He's maybe the most... Um, well, we talked about him before we started podcasting. He's maybe the most uh, physically ready to handle the Big Ten player that, that they have, probably. And they have to try to get a waiver for him to be eligible immediately. Uh, Delano Banton, the Western Kentucky transfer who's having to sit out, is their tallest guy. And he's also like the skinniest guy that they have <laughs> and doesn't doesn't have a great outside shot yet. Um a cola rope, like you mentioned, needs to add a little bit more size. He he was bigger than I thought he was going to be in terms of um, filling out his frame a little bit. He was a little shorter than I thought he was going to be. Um, so that's maybe something to watch. And then a guy like Kevin Cross, who's a freshman, he looks like a freshman. He just looks like a freshman. He looks like a guy who needs to to get his butt in the weight the weight room and um, both bulk up a little bit and then lose a little bit of weight. Um, yeah, he's, he, he's also definitely not six eight. No, he looks like he's got a little bit of baby weight. He looks like he's a little small, um, short, I should say, not small. Um, but there's just there's a lot of there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And we didn't get to watch Cam Mack because he uh, was. The, Fred said that he was waiting on a class on a grade to get back so that he could get academically eligible. But he should be able to play um, in Italy. And you sort of touched on this before, but that this Italy trip that's coming up is going to be so big in terms of um, not just letting these guys get out on the court and sort of play together and and start building that chemistry, but for the coaching staff to really figure out, okay, what do we have and how can we piece this together? Well, and then another big thing, I think, just based on what Hoiberg had talked about, he mentioned this several times, is right now they're kind of struggling a little bit in terms of fighting through adversity. They're kind of a little bit of a front-running team. Um, When things are going well, everything's great. When they hit a rough patch, they struggle to get through it. So I think we'll be able to learn a lot more about this team when they do go overseas and they do kind of get into some adverse situations and have to stop a run or kind of stage a comeback or uh, play through a scoring drought or something like that. Who are the guys that kind of emerge, if anybody, and leads away or makes a big play or 
kind of pumps up the guys or um, all those kind of things. Uh, we Again, we've only seen – we've seen one practice. They've only had, what, about five of them now. Um, I don't know what the, their practice schedule was in terms of if they're practicing today or kind of what the deal is. But uh, they, they, they've got a lot to learn, and you couldn't have asked for a better situation than they're, what they're going to get, kind of just, just throwing them into the deep end right away. Just hopefully they can all remember the plays. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, Fred talked about how it, you know there's a struggle – to get the guys to talk to each other right now that he took them bowling uh, to try to just like force the issue and force them to be around each other and force them to talk to each other a little bit more. Uh, He said talking was an issue on the court. Um, Communicating was an issue on the court. And and like you said, the, the kind of fighting through adversity thing, did either of those things, well, I guess the talking thing shouldn't be a worry because they don't know each other. So that's, I mean, that's just natural with a young team. Did the fact that, he said that they have a hard time fighting through adversity. Does that worry you at all? You just kind of chalk that up to, uh, it's just a bunch of guys that don't know each other that, you know, when when things get tough, they don't, they just sort of turn inwards as opposed to leaning on each other. Did that worry you at all? I don't know that I'm necessarily worried unless it kind of persists. Um, these, There are a lot of different guys from a lot of different places right now all coming together, so... They've got very different backgrounds and experience levels. You've got a guy like Derek Walker, who's been in a high-level program like Tennessee, versus the guy like Mate Cavas, who's coming from a lower level of Seattle. You've got junior college guys. Um, you've got some freshmen. So they've got guys from kind of all over the place. You've got a guy like uh, Hanif Cheatham, who's been at two different stops. You've got Deshaun Burke, who was in the program last year and is now having to basically start completely over. So it's kind of a tough situation for everybody to be in. So I'm not necessarily worried right now. And I don't even know kind of what that looks like and like how, like what is the kind of adversity they're finding in practice and all that kind of stuff. So if it's still a problem come November, then it's an issue. But until then, um, I'm not going to worry too much about it. I'll give them time to kind of figure it out. That's fair. Um, I want to kind of, for the last 10 or so minutes, transition us to football. I think we covered everything with basketball. There's just not a ton that we can really analyze right now. Um, so I, I want to cover switch switch over to football a little bit. Next week will be fan day, I believe. And then fall camp gets started um, shortly after that. So football is almost here. Um, game one is August 31 against South Alabama, and it begins. We got a lot of talk this week, uh, both in the mailbag and, and on uh, social media, about hype, about expectations for Nebraska. That was sort of a, a topic of conversation at um, Big Ten Media Days where you know somebody asked Bill Moose, what, what are your, what's your expectation or what, what, what should Nebraska do? And he said, well, six. Six wins is, is what I would like to see. Just make a bowl game. And then somebody asked Scott the same question or somebody asked Frost about Moose's six-win comment. And he said, I don't think anybody around here would be happy if we had six wins. Um, what, what's, do you feel like there's too much excitement around the team? Do you feel like the, the expectations are have grown too large? Uh I no, I don't think so. I think this is kind of just the typical off-season hype uh, segment where everybody you, you don't get to see anything, so there's nothing to kind of dash your optimism at this point. But we're talking about a college football playoff now. 
Like, but at the beginning uh, of the offseason, like the boldest of the bold predictions was Nebraska's going to the Big Ten championship. Like that was a super bold prediction that nobody yeah. wanted to say. None of us wanted to say, I should say. But now people, it's like it's it's almost a given that Nebraska is going to be in the Big Ten title game, and the bold prediction now is that Nebraska is going to beat a team like Michigan and be a college football playoff contender. Yeah, I guess I guess I I don't see a ton of that in terms of like that's what people are expecting. I think we're getting to the point where it's like, well, um, the other options don't excite me, so why not go with Nebraska? They got the quarterback, they got the coach, they kind of. They got the positive momentum at the end of last year. So it's like if you're going to kind of go away from the boring options of a Wisconsin or an Iowa or even a Northwestern who somehow won it last year, you're kind of Nebraska's kind of that hot ticket to go with. Um, the the thing I mentioned like in the mailbag is like uh, kind of the same thing with uh, it was a question about the hype for Nebraska versus uh, Justin Fields at Ohio State. And you kind of like take out the odds right now in the way people talk, think about it. You, you look at the Ohio State quarterback, and especially with a five star pedigree, he, he's not a bad outside shot to potentially get in the race for uh, the Heisman Trophy or whatever. You look at Nebraska, all the things it's got going for it, and how the, the division's kind of wide open. Nebraska's not a bad kind of long shot choice. The problem is, that it seems like Vegas. Uh, kind of saw that same thing, realized that people were probably going to bet that way, and then jacked up the the odds a little bit. Um, so I, I think going into this situation, as long as people aren't like, as long as people are viewing it as a possibility and not a requirement, uh, I, I think you're fine. Because I I unless they win four games or less again, I don't think I, I think. Nebraska fans will kind of forgive Frost for no matter what kind of season they have, as long as it's they finally start making progress. That's the key: is you make progress. How much progress? Well, we'll see what they're able to do. The the schedule kind of sets them up to maybe get moving a little faster than maybe the the timeline would otherwise suggest. But if they can do it now and take advantage of that schedule, then that that'd be pretty exciting for kind of the program moving forward. That's a very rational. And a very logical uh, look at it. So, I appreciate you. I appreciate <laughs> that. I appreciate the the lack of uh, hot takeyness, I guess, that you possess, or that you you analyze stuff with. You just call me boring. No, it's not boring. Well, sometimes <laughs> sometimes sometimes boring is good. Sometimes boring is better. Sometimes you know you don't want. Sometimes people don't like uh, hot takes. Yeah. Well, and, and we're at the point here, like most of the time going into a season, whether it's a team I follow or a team I cheer for, I kind of steer towards the the positive spectrum of the realm of possibilities and kind of just go in thinking, yeah, this is a really good shot to, to happen. The last few years it hasn't for Nebraska, so now I'm just kind of in that, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to be measured here and they've got to show that they can actually – get past the things that have held them back the last couple of years. Like I think I said this a couple of times now, but I'm start, I'm picking eight wins, which is kind of right about the line. It's, uh, it's not necessarily an exciting pick, but until they show that they can actually win these games that they've been in last year and get over that hump and not finish four and eight, then it's going to tough to 
pick them to win nine or ten games and actually win the division. But I, I think they're in the mix just as have just as good a chance as anybody else. Sure. Uh, at corn underscore Huskers on Twitter uh, always gives us fantastic questions in the mailbag. Shout out to him. Uh, gave us a question this week where he looked at the uh, yards per play and the, the plays per game numbers for Michigan's defense compared to Nebraska's defense last year. Uh, Michigan's defense was on the field for an average of 60 plays a game last year, uh, and they yielded an average of 4.6 yards per play. Nebraska's defense is on the field for seven, 74 uh, plays per game, and they gave up 5.8. Um, I can tell you without looking at the rankings that that 5.8 number is pretty low <laughs> in the national standings. Um, Nebraska's defense needs improvement. We've talked about that a ton. What 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 is reasonable to expect in terms of improvement on that side of the ball? Because... You know, I was talking to somebody on Twitter earlier this week that um, the passing game wasn't that bad last year. It just wasn't. It was the, the pass defense was average uh, to to good. It was just the running game that was really bad, and that's what sort of dragged down all the numbers and all all the statistics. What's what's reasonable to expect improvement on the defensive side of the ball for year two? Yeah, it's probably reasonable with all the experience coming back and. I think the key is the uh, the work that Zach Duvall has done. Are those guys able to actually win in the trenches up front? If the answer is yes, I think they can make the progress they need to, which you look at it, if if the offense is good enough, if they've got enough receiving options that are consistent to uh, allow Adrian Martinez to kind of be the star many people think him to be, then they don't necessarily have to hold teams at 20 points a game. You look at Central Florida, the, in year two, they gave up about 25 points a game. It's just they scored about 47. <laughs> so that's a plus 22, plus 23 in that range. That, that, that'll win you 13 games. Um, it's not one of the best defenses, but you compare it to the offense, and it's more than good enough. So that's kind of what they need. They don't necessarily need one of the best defenses in the conference, but they can't have one of the worst. they got to get kind of somewhere in that middle. And it does start with a rush defense, like you mentioned, because I, I went through and kind of did a story today on uh, the pass rush and comparing the way they got after the quarterback and made plays behind the line of scrimmage with TFLs at Central Ford and compared it to in year two and compared it to Nebraska last year. And like I have for the receiving and rushing production and Nebraska actually wasn't that far behind. Um, we all talk about Chicago. Uh, Shaquem Griffin as kind of a star of that defense, but Luke Gifford was pretty darn close in terms of production to what Griffin did that last year at Central Florida. So yes, Nebraska needs some guys to step up. Obviously, they got to replace Gifford, but uh, pass rush wise, like that, that's not how this the Central Florida team went thirteen to zero. They were solid enough. They capitalized on uh, mistakes by the other team. They had, I think nine more interceptions than Nebraska did. So that's the one area the pass defense really needs to pick it up is converting those pass breakups and interceptions. Cough, cough, DiCaprio Boodle. But, uh, uh, and then holding, holding up on third down. So that's kind of where the, the pass rush needs to step up a little bit is in those third and long situations. You got to get home. Um, so if you can do that, just improve in that little area and then kind of stay steady in, in 
the pass defense. It'll come down to whether or not they'll be able to hold their own in the trenches. And that's the big question. And they're, they're saying all the right things. Um, Frost has talked about how much bigger they look. Um, and Darian Daniels is certainly a very large human being who will be in the middle of that this year. Um, so it, we talked about um, the last time I was with you about him being one of the kind of most intriguing players. And I think it's precisely for that op and that reason, because he's a guy that, you know, physically can hold his own. And if he's able to do that, I think that'll allow everybody else around him to play to their strength and do their job instead of trying to make up for the kind of unit as a whole, everybody trying to like, it'll put everybody in, in, in their proper place and not have to do too much and be able to just do what they're good at. Uh, Jacob, this week, LSU unveiled its new locker room and LSU. I mean, I guess we've reached the point where it's like, there's nothing new that we can do with these spaces. So let's just do something stupid that nobody has ever thought of because we can LSU put like pods in their locker room. Like they took out the locker portion of it. Like they changed the locker portion of it, which is um, breaking the most important function in the locker room. Locker, <laughs> locker room, you know, they took that whole setup and just blew it up and said, we're going to put beds uh, with like storage in the bed for the players. So the, the first thing that came to my mind was like, oh, OK, but don't those rooms usually smell like wouldn't that smell like you would have to have somebody on on hand at all times to clean stuff so it wouldn't smell or you would have to have the storage bins and compartments heavily insulated so you can't smell the shoes and and all the other crap that's going on. Um, but players were super excited about it. People were super excited about it. It's one of those things where it facility improvement is an arms race in college football right now. And can you like do the next cool thing? Like it's just a novelty. Like can you just can you just do the next cool? It doesn't really matter if it's um, functional. functional or yeah. if it serves any kind of utility. It's just is it cool? Does it play well on social media? And that sort of what how I feel about the LSU locker room. Now they. They built a whole new complex, and it's it looks super cool. There's a lot of spaces um, that look really functional and don't look so over the top in terms of aesthetic, and that's good. That's not getting the headlines. The locker room is, but they have a brand new space. There's been a lot of talk this week about um, does Nebraska need new facilities. We kind of answered that in the mailbag. I think we talked about it on the podcast last week. I don't necessarily want to ask you to just – you talk about does Nebraska need new facilities? Cause I think everybody's in agreement that Nebraska needs to at least renovate or update or modernize a couple things. If, but I will ask you if you could have one thing added, whether that be a locker room, whether that be something, you know, like a new weight room, whether that be like, like a sauna room or some stupid thing like that. If you could, if, if you're designing football facilities for Nebraska and you could put anything in there that you wanted, What's the craziest thing that you think you would add? Jeez. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Um, I, I'm, I'm bad at this because I don't really... I, I, like, would you put, like, a cryotherapy room? I, I don't even know, like, what that feels <laughs> like or, like, it, would I... Like, that's my problem. Like, I am so, like... You're boring. We've already yeah. we've already established this. Yeah, I I don't even know that you you talked about like LSU's locker room is like you mentioned like don't they the, 
they've got a like players lounge where they can take naps and do all that kind of stuff, right? So is like isn't the locker room just for changing and storage and all that stuff? You don't necessarily want to spend time in there. Yeah, I can't imagine I, there's I people spending too much time in there. Yeah, so what's the point of putting beds in there or whatever? I don't I just don't understand. So there's no you can't think of anything. Nothing immediately jumps to the top of your head that you would be like, "I want that." You're you're a, you're an 18-year-old kid going through the the recruiting process. You're being recruited by Nebraska for a full-ride scholarship. And Nebraska's fighting off like I can't say Creighton cuz Creighton doesn't have a football team. Sure. Nebraska's fighting off I don't know, like Michigan State and Iowa State. Like, what's one thing that you want? My problem here is I just picked my college basically just because I wanted to go to Creighton. I didn't even visit anywhere else. I barely took a – I didn't even tour the campus because it was raining that day when I went and visited. (laughs) So I was like – I had predetermined, yeah, I'm going to Creighton. So once I got my academic money, that was good. I I didn't need to be sold. Um, yeah, I, I just, I don't know what you, I've never played football. So like, I don't know what you need in that set, like what there even is like that would make that setting, that would make it more enjoyable or make life easier, all that kind of stuff. That's like, I, I'd be trying to think of something functional more than anything else. And that's obviously not the direction we're going with all these kind of facilities updates. You know what I would, my choice on this would be. And it's it's not it's not pandering to the fan base. Nebraska. I've talked to to Greg Smith about this a couple times. Nebraska, there needs to have the best weight room in the country. Yeah, like because of the program and because of the pedigree of of the program and Husker power and all that. Nebraska should have the best weight room in the country. So if I could just design anything that was part of a, a complete facility overhaul. However big this needs to be to accomplish this, I want pods in the weight room almost where each individual player has his own like weight station. Like it's his own little pod area. And it's like all – because they make these things now that they're like weight machines that you can like put on a wall. And they're just like bars. They're really small. And it's all digital. It's digital weights. So – I would want something that is like every every individual player has his own specific little pod in the weight room and it is his own strength machine and it's like hooked up to him and there's a little pad where he can go in and he can like it's got all of his stuff loaded into it all of his measurables all of everything I don't I don't understand the scientific stuff so I don't like know what the terminology is but all the stuff that he needs is programmed into that little that little screen and he can set up a weight workout. He can set up a workout. He can set up a, um, I don't know. He can set up whatever he wants and he's got his own little pod and it's all cool. It's all super high tech. There's a lot of bells and whistles. There's a lot of fancy finishes. There's metal and and all the, all the cool stuff, all the cool stuff that will attract people, but it's a super functional space and every single player has their own little space. Including That's, the walk-ons? Including the walk-ons. I'm going to love on the walk-ons here for a second. Charlie Easley made me a walk-on lover. <laughs> he changed this cold, brittle heart, and I have halted my war on the walk-on program. Uh, speaking of Charlie Easley, I don't think we mentioned this earlier. 
he won their he, he's he bowled the high score at the, the the team's bowling outing which did not surprise me in the least when i found that out uh give him the starting job <laughs> give him the starting job that's that's what i would say jacob you've been great thanks for coming on the podcast yeah sorry i didn't have a great answer for that last one but kind of got around and set you up to to give yours so that worked out well anyway it's okay you're just never coming back on the podcast well that works for me oh that's sad that's very sad <laughs> i mean i already got to talk to i mean we're getting into the football season here so i'm gonna have to talk to you pretty much every day so that's true well but also that means that we're gonna have uh other more interesting people on the podcast to talk about the teams that nebraska is playing each week so and don't get offended because we've already come to a consensus that you're boring yep no i will say the same thing so so no offense taken uh this day is my two-year anniversary at hale varsity um the day that we're recording this this thursday is my two-year anniversary at hale varsity and i was officially fired this afternoon so um, after tweeting that you made it two years without getting fired so well done aaron aaron had it locked and loaded it was in the chamber waiting so uh that happened so you told her no so that's probably not (laughs) a great thing to tell us the tweet uh, that I sent this morning that said two years at Hill Varsity and I ain't been fired yet uh, with just the severely underrated gif of Roy Williams walking into the North Carolina locker room uh, has 69 likes. Let's end it on that. Which is a great place to end this. <laughs> so, uh, we will be back next week with another podcast. Uh, I might not be back on account of just being fired. Um, so stay tuned to find out, I guess. We'll have well, stuff I've been on fired like five times, and I'm still here. So I fired you a couple weeks ago, and, you, and then I brought you back on the. Po- I think I've brought you back on the podcast twice since I fired you. So correct. Uh, we will have plenty of stuff on hillvarsity.com throughout the week. Um, we've got stuff on hillvarsity.com right now that you can read. We'll have stuff this weekend that you can read, and we'll have stuff next week during Fan Day that you can read. Uh, the greatest website on the interwebs, hillvarsity.com. Bookmark it. And subscribe to your homepage. Yes, do that. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Give us a review. I don't know if you can subscribe on SoundCloud. It's on SoundCloud too. Um, Or you can just follow, I think, on SoundCloud. So do that. And we'll be back next week. Jacob, thank you. You're welcome. All right. Talk to you guys next week.